Systems at the University of Cape Town. Pito, good evening and welcome. Thank you, good evening. And um, hello to your listeners. Yeah, thanks, Pito. Maybe let's start off here. What is the Fair Work Project and what, what is it that you are trying to achieve with this particular project? Yeah, the Fair Work Project is a, um, an interdisciplinary and, and multi-country project um, that um, originated um, uh, from Oxford University um, and it has spread very much across the whole world. Um, and here in South Africa, we, we, we became part of it. And uh, actually, we were you know, one of the countries uh, to, to actually conduct a study on um, uh, you know, the gig economy in South Africa. Mm. Um, uh, we are based at, at the University of Cape Town, so we partnered with them. And uh, for the last three years, we've been doing this annually, um, you know, doing this, this type of, of research. Um, and we've been finding some very interesting Let's talk methodology just briefly. Um, what was all of this, I guess, self-reporting on the part of the companies that are involved? I mean, the likes of Mr. D, Sweep South, Uber, Uber Eats, Bolt, and others. Yeah. So um, we do several things for this research. So first, we do what we call desktop research, where mm. we um, find out what you know which companies um, are in the gig economy in, in in South Africa, and we identify you know, uh, are the companies that we would like to, to focus on. Um, and because of, of bandwidth, obviously, we cannot um, assess all the companies. So the goal for us is to really try to um, uh, to find out how fair um, are the conditions that our gig are being set mm. by these companies. So um, once we do this type of research, then we get in touch with these companies and um, we use our fair work um, uh, methodology to assess based on um, how they themselves perceive, uh, how they perceive themselves. And then we also mm. do uh, uh, ground research where we actually uh, uh, talk to all the workers. Um, and because the workers are independent or are viewed as independent contractors, we can talk to them without requiring the permission of M- maybe- their employer. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Peter. Maybe I yeah. guess that's a good starting point. I mean, the, the suggestion that many are seen as independent contractors, oh, yes. when clearly the distribution of risk and decision-making power um, and the bargaining power doesn't, you know, give rise to anything outside of an employment relationship. So, so surely that would have been a starting point as well. What is the perspective of the report as it relates to that? Uh, and maybe we can get then to other elements such as remuneration and you know, other occupational conditions. Yes, absolutely. So um, this, this is quite a, a contentious point and significant phenomenon. This is, um, it lies right at the roots of the entire gig um, economy and, and the logic of, 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 of gig work where, you know, uh, people are into this view independent entities and they're not seen as employees even though they spend, you know, practically all their time work just the same way as normal. Obviously, the difference is that they do not then the benefits of being permanent in health insurance and all of those wonderful things. But also at the same time, um, uh, where we need to also accept that some people also enter into this gig economy uh, with the idea of wanting the flexibility of not being tied yes. to an employer. So 
easy thing. However, at the same time, we risk more risks than, than gains for most of the workers who are on mm. in, in this type of arrangement where they sure. do not have the protections that are necessary that could benefit them as employees. Um, yeah. And we also at the same Peter, time see some maybe just, maybe just a brief comment you know, from Peter? the employers themselves. Yeah, Peter, maybe just a brief comment on that. Um, and I guess yeah. one of the things I'm quite interested in in this discussion is a particular category of worker. So, you know, there would be, for instance, software developers who whose skill set would attract a premium in terms of what they are paid. Uh, and I guess the conditions yeah. of work there, you know, would not be such a pain point as it is in the case of a, you know, partner driver of a scooter, for instance, for one of the delivery platforms. Um, so, so maybe if I guess, you know, we can focus just on those ones who are probably in the vulnerable parts of the value chain, yeah. uh, because I guess that's where my interest is. And I'll tell you why I say this. If I think just about occupational health and safety, um, many of our listeners would certainly have seen this as well. You see all manner of accidents on our roads of yeah. ride hailing type platforms. Um, in some cases, you know, people and accidents seen lasting for hours. You know, you drive past it, you come back, you drive past it again. Um, yeah. And there's a seeming sense that from a social policy or social security perspective as part of the decent work agenda, that there isn't that type of protection. So if I get ill in the workplace, uh, if I, you know, uh, get injured in the workplace, uh, let alone leave and many of the other benefits. Um, did you measure that in any way in this project? And if so, what, what were some of the things that you found? Yes, 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 absolutely. And and you you quite correct that there's this different. And that's you how, how how complex the problem that we're dealing with um, uh, is. Um, so there's a category of of workers which um, you correctly say are vulnerable. You know, in this uh, type of an arrangement, um, when we're talking about you know, uh, uh, especially in the in the delivery sector, um, and also in the domestic work sector as well. Um, you know, n- no reasonable person would really argue that a domestic worker is an entrepreneur um, and therefore they should not get the protections of a, of a full-time employer. And sometimes they actually, you know, spend all their time working, you know, for, for, for these companies. So we did, we did absolutely out, um, and, and this has been consistent over the last three years, that there is a problem of what we, what we regard as, as precarious uh, working conditions and precarious conditions that these workers find themselves under. Uh, there's been a lot of improvements in the sense that uh, our, uh, the platforms have been increasingly improving the pain, particularly. Uh, however, we're still finding that they are still below, um, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, what we would call like the living wage standards, right? Um, because the so many other costs that they don't factor into this type of employment, things like transportation costs, waiting times that uh, these types of workers have to endure to wait for the next gig to, to appear. So there's a, there's a lot of um, problems, there's a lot of challenges, and uh, research that we do tries to highlight those and challenge both customers who use the services as well as the platforms themselves to reflect and say, this, this is not... This is not fair. This is not how things should work. And mm. that's what we are tr- that's the change we are trying to uh, to push for within the space through this research. Yeah, yeah. So so maybe talk to us about some of the findings just on that score. Um uh in relation to that. Or how or how do, how does this work? Yeah. So um we measure um at the this uh, level of fairness 
uh, on, on multiple sectors. Um, we focus on, on five key ones, um, and this will be um, around pay, this will be around uh, working conditions, this will be around the type of management and contracting that uh, um, uh, they have, and also on the ability of the workers to organize themselves. So those will be our our core pillars that, that, that we really use. And this, this really has been derived in conjunction with the international labor organizations as well, so um, uh, we are using, you know, uh, a, a validated measure. And what we have found is that uh, while some platforms do that, we mustn't bash them all. You know, some of them are doing very well. Um, 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 and, and, and you will you'll see, uh, if, you, if people can go and, and look at our report, we, we, we do a detailed um, analysis of each platform and we give them mm. a score. So some, some platforms score sure. as high as so we have to be fair on those that they are really doing well. Um, okay. And, um, you know, so, some of them are, are doing very badly. But in general... Sure. Peter, in general, Peter let's do this. Uh, Peter, I, I yes. think we need to take a quick spot break. So if you can just okay. pause there for me for a second, we'll continue after this brief. No problem. Twenty-two minutes it is after eight p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro, and uh, we take a look at the outcomes of the Fair Work Project. And uh, I'm in conversation uh, this evening with uh, Pito Tibolane, senior lecturer in the Department of Information Systems at UCT, and uh, also an associate for the Centre at the Centre for IT and National Development in Africa. And we're talking about the findings of the Fair Work Project's report. And uh, Pito, but just before we went to the break, I guess you you were talking us through some of the more detailed findings uh, that you would have for different platforms. Um, yeah. And maybe just, I guess, one, one of the other areas that I'm interested in is um, around how, you know, the different dimensions. So what, what are these dimensions that you're scoring against? Uh, we've touched on the issues of occupational health and safety, uh, but maybe talk us through some of the other ones. Yes, absolutely. So uh, pay, definitely. So we look at fair pay. And one of the key findings that we found there was that, um, you know, only three of the 12 platforms that we focused on this year, that uh, they can pay a living wage. So that means the other nine didn't, right? And then when it comes to conditions of, of, of employment, we found that um, a, a lot of the platforms could give us evidence. And, and we were really focused because of COVID. We were really looking at the conditions, you know, uh, um, under under the pandemic. So we found that a lot of them were doing a lot of good things there. So most platforms tend to score well, they try, but um, uh, about half of them did what we thought was enough. When it comes to contracting, we found that some of the platforms, and there was like 
four out of the eight that we uh, uh, four out of the twelve that we looked at, that um, they were able to uh, um, you know give um, fair contracts and the, the workers actually understood. But some of the platforms, a lot of them, and and this goes even before um, the, the the sample we're looking at this year, they were not able to even give us evidence that they they have contracts with their workers, which is. Mm. And then when it comes to fair, we found that. Um, things like deactivation of workers, for instance, workers, um, for no reason known to them. So somebody wakes up and they think that they're waiting for a gig and the platform has decided to uh, to, to um, uh, lock them out because maybe they got a bad review without any uh, uh, consultation with the worker, mm. really. Uh, I mean, Brapito, let's, let's talk just briefly about that because I think yeah. you, you raised such a, an important point. I mean, the, the power to connect and disconnect, right, oh, is yes. also it's closely linked to this uh, notion of hyper-surveillance um, and how those, you know, uh, what, what I guess the employer in this case finds in those surveillance processes has an influence on your payoffs. So if I find that you've received bad reviews that has a massive implication on your payoff and your ability effectively to work. It's like the old traditional lockout, if I can put it like that, you know, yeah. in, in a very industrial sense. Um, absolutely. I mean, and that, how do and we deal with that? How, how do we deal with that? Yeah, this whole notion that you, that you're alluding to of algorithmic management, that's what we call it, um, and, sure. and combined with the idea of surveillance capitalism. Those are the things also of attention to because this are um, this have really come to life uh, you know recently within the IT uh, research space so um, I mean the idea that there's an algorithm that maintains and, and looks after workers and and, and some of this companies the the, the 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 international ones do not even have representation in South Africa so the workers don't even have an office to go to when they are just suddenly locked out because, you know, they didn't hit certain numbers which they were not even aware of. So uh, this whole idea of managing people through algorithms, we need to be careful of and we are very critical of um, while, you know, we understand the efficiencies that have been planned. But at the same time, you know, that lack of human touch sometimes leads to undesired consequences and the gig worker always ends up losing when things like this happen without a proper consultation and particularly because on the last point that i that, that i didn't touch on on representation mm. we find yes, things where yes. things happen so workers are unable to even organize themselves because they are not allowed to organize themselves into into unions and therefore cannot even bargain for better conditions because they are seen as independent entities all by themselves but that's surely against the law i mean here in south africa right <laughs> absolutely yeah um, um it, it's not allowed but you see what complicates the matter is when um, you have this multiplicity of people that are in the gig space for different reasons, um, and mm. some of them really do consider themselves as independent. And, and as you said, I mean, it would be maybe people of, of a certain type of work, they don't see the need to be represented. And then there's other people because of also the other things that maybe we are not even able to go into. I mean, the fact that there's undocumented workers that are doing these mm. types of jobs and we see them when they come to deliver food in our spaces. And, um, you know, some of them do not even have the power to even say, let's organize ourselves because, you know, they might themselves get into trouble for organizing themselves. So mm. we, are, we are talking to the platforms and making them aware that representation is a right. Um, and, and in the workplace, workers should be given that space and the company should facilitate the ability for the workers to organize themselves 
and, and, and have an organized voice and it can only benefit the workers in the end. And you know, Peter, what I find unsettling about this is that some might suggest there are no unions or no structures in, in place. Yet we know, I mean, we, we speak to the likes of Dwayne Barnard and others uh, who have been organizing uh, workers in many of these platforms. Um, and all of this happening with a blank refusal on the part of some of these platforms to even speak to them about some of their grievances. So it's not for lack of structures that they don't decide you know, to speak to representative bodies of, of uh, employers. It's just that they don't see those people as people that they ideally should be talking to. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And, and this, this is a main, main issue. In fact, if you look at the way we score, when it comes to representation, um, most platforms really do badly, right? Um, and, 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 you know, uh, we've seen this even internationally just played out in court. You know, it's, it's such a big issue. A company like Uber um, that uh, changes its identity when it suits them, you know, um, mm. they are a, 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 a gig platform, but then the next thing they are an IT company that only provides a platform. And, you know, so, so those types of things that, that happen and, and you realize most of this identities that these companies assume are really sometimes to, to avoid certain, you know, obligations that they have. Um, and, and that only contributes to leaving uh, workers, you know, very vulnerable and in a very precarious position. Hmm. Yeah, and maybe just, I guess, a last one on, uh, you know, some of the, the issues that you've been raising. I mean, the, all of this paints a particular type of picture, and, and I'm quite interested in, uh, you've touched on the behaviors that need to change on the part of some of these platforms, and even, you know, some of the work that uh, the workers themselves have to do in organizing themselves. What's the role for policy, for policymakers not just in the technology space, but in the different verticals that these platforms operate in. So if I think about transport, for instance, uh, as critical to the permit framework and other things that influence who can operate in the Uber and Bolt space, uh, and maybe even extend it you know, to, to the issue of domestic work and other uh, forms of platforms that um, operate in the space. Well, what's the role of, I guess, state-led responses here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the biggest problems that um, that we have in this space is because this platform sort of entered the market, they tend to enter the market very quietly, right? And they sort of become a phenomenon. And the government is always, you know, the last sometimes to, to, to realize that, that we've got players such as this. And we find a lack of, uh, a lack of readiness uh, in, uh, from a policy point of view to account for things such you know, tax implications of, of these types of companies that are run from outside the country and uh, with with um, strange, you know, terms and conditions in their contracts that are not even legal in South Africa. You know, people buy into the services. And so we, we're finding that, um, uh, you know, there the needs to be an effort. I mean, we are not anti-business in the sense that we don't want government to come in and stop everything. You know, uh, innovation to happen. We want, you know, all those uh, um, are benefiting the rest of the world to also come to South Africa so that we can also take part in this, in this new gig uh, platforms and, 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 and platform economy. Mm. It mm. needs to be a lot more uh, serious in, in, in the way that we do, you know, uh, uh, that, that you know, 
just just grows very fast. Um, we we believe that there's a lot of uh, uh, policy space uh, uh, and room for government to to talk about the, the obvious things, you know. Sure. Violence, sure. Um, uh, tech issues. Um, and I agree with us, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving back to the taxmen what they should be giving back. But they are entities or they are workers or whatever they are considered as implications, whichever way. Um, but if the if government does not have a strong policy stance, and 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 you know, also at the same time, we don't want to just be here, uh, uh, you know, bashing government because even in other more developed countries such as the U.S. and the U.K., they also been unaware by these platforms. You know, this this you know, technology really creeps up very fast. And in, in mm. the UK, we've seen court grappling with Uber itself. This is in Europe, Uber as it's treated everywhere. You know, oh. um, um, there's you know some some uh, categories of workers have been uh, have been given the right to be considered employees. However, if you go in the food delivery uh, space in the same place in the UK, they are not as employees, or they cannot be recognized as employees. So there's a lot mm. of gaps in terms of policy. Now, in South Africa, it's even worse. Uh, because some, um, uh, there's been um, uh, effort on the ground in South Africa to try and do the same type of, 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 of a class action lawsuit. Um, and, you know, the case was just thrown out because of jurisdiction. Um, South African court said, we don't have anything to say about this company. We don't even know. They're not registered yet. So you need a South African worker to go and petition a court in Amsterdam. You know, to, to, to be had. Now, where are the league workers and um, you know, legal representation going to get that type of money for their rights in South Africa? Uh, so that's why we are calling for government to stand up and, 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 and do its job um, of regulating yeah. this type of things sure. in, a, in a positive okay. way. Rapito, we're going to have to leave it there this evening. But, uh, yeah, uh, really grateful that you could come out to speak to us this evening. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Pito Tsibolane, a senior lecturer in the Department of Information Systems at the University of Cape Town. And also uh, one of the participants in the Fair Work Project joining us uh, this evening. Let's take this brief break. And when we come back, yeah, we'll listen in to some of your voice notes.